0: Congregation, this morning I hope to consider what we find in 1 Samuel 19. Let me only read the first verse. 1 Samuel 19, verse 1. And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. So far, the escalation of the conflict, the escalation of the conflict, forethoughts. Saul's continued envy. Secondly, Jonathan's mediation. In the third place, David's escape. And finally, God's patience the escalation of the conflict, Saul's continued envy, Jonathan's mediation, David's escape, and God's patience. Congregation I read in the previous chapter, chapter 18, verse 29, and Saul was yet the more afraid of David. And Saul Became David's enemy continually. There was still that rage in the heart of King Saul. He was so frustrated. He could not let go. And one day he said, "Let's have a meeting. Jonathan, servants, I'd like to talk to all of you. So one of those rooms of the palace. Saul met with Jonathan and his servants, and something was boiling in between him, inside of him. Men, he must have said something like Listen, if you see David, if you have a chance, kill him immediately. You have my permission. I want him dead. So previously, Saul was a little secretive about that. Not so open. But now he goes public. He says to his servants, kill him. Do it. Then you have a chance. Before there's a secret that Saul wished David dead. Not anymore. And what's happening now? His servants, Saul's servants, loved David. Are they going to obey him? Are they going to kill him? You know, Saul was in a rage, and it was, as we have seen before, because of envy, right? Envy. Jealousy. The kingdom will be taken from him, Samuel had said, and given to another man better than him. It was on his mind, someone else is going to take my place. I cannot stand it. I cannot accept it. You know, those ladies had sung in their choirs, accompanied with the frame drums and all sorts of musical instruments. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And he could not accept that, not appreciate it. He was jealous of David, and he tried to kill him by making him a captain over the army, hoping that the Philistines would be slaying him, uh, that he would fall in the, in the in the battle. And he also tried to kill him with a javelin a couple of times. And David escaped, and he also asked him to give also the foreskins of 100 Philistines so that you could marry his daughter. So God really worked up about those things, but envy. So let us think about that. Envy. What is envy doing to you? How important is envy in our lives? What has the, what have, what have the, the consequences have been of, of, of envy in the past? So let me first take you to Proverbs. Proverbs 14. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Envy. If you cannot stand someone for the fact that he has more fame or money or whatever, if you're jealous, it's a rottenness of the bones. And so Saul's bones are rotting, rotting. And I must say that even God's children suffer suffer yet from that. 1 Corinthians, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Even God's children can have that envy, Envy at home, envy at work, envy in the church. The Apostle Paul writes about that in Galatians 5, Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Be easy to the other. So let the other one go go first and be generous to others and take the lowest place. One of the most notorious places in the Bible is about the chief priests and the Jewish leaders. The reason why they had delivered the Lord Jesus was envy. Pilate knew that for envy they had delivered him. It started also so much earlier. Let me mention Cain and Abel. And to Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very rough. And his countenance fell. Now his face, his face just fell. His face turned dark. His face was not shining. His face was down. Think of Joseph. Why Joseph was sold to Egypt. And the patriarchs moved with envy. They were envious of Joseph, their younger brother. And they sold them to Egypt. Romans 1 they're being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. So, envy is also one of them. King Saul was in a rage. He hated David with a passion. He was a son-in-law. He himself used to be a very humble man, but not anymore. Wrath is cruel, and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? That's Proverbs 27, wrath is one thing. Wrath is mad, It's cruel. And anger is outrageous, but envy. Who is able to stand for envy? It is such a powerful thing in the hearts of people. What an evil man, that's all, right? With so much envy and rotted in his bones and so dead against David and tried to kill him. He is the murderer. He attempted so many times murder. What an evil man that Saul is. Right? And David, so much kinder and compassionate and loving the Lord and believing in him. What a huge difference between Saul and David. Right? I don't know. I don't know if there's such a difference. There is a difference, of course. There's a huge difference. And yet, remember that David later on had another problem not envy, but lust. And that he sinned with Bathsheba, and Uriah had to be dead. Right? And he called Abner, and he said, General, that Uriah needs to be in the front line when there's a battle, because I don't know if he explained it, but he thought he must die. And King Saul, in trying to kill David, was never successful. But David was. David killed Uriah. So do you see it? I just want to let you know that it is a huge difference. And yet, who is David? And who are God's people today? And do do you see what's in man? The difference is this as we hope to see later, that King Saul never repented of it. And King David did, from the heart. So that's the difference. The envy of Saul is horrible. And yet the Lord continues with his work. But don't forget, Saul's attempt to kill David was never successful because he could not. He could not kill David. The Lord did not allow him. And you tell me why. Why did the Lord not allow Saul to kill David? Because David had to be king. Right. Let's just go further, go deeper. What's the deepest reason why? The Lord did not let Saul kill David. Because the Lord Jesus had to be born out of this David. So Saul could not touch him. The Lord was adamant about it. There will be a son of David on the throne. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is never going to change the Lord's will is done. The Lord reigneth. And because, because, because his reign, David survived in spite of Saul's rage and envy. Let's go to the second thought. Jonathan's mediation. Jonathan and David were friends, as you know. And they were close friends. They were spiritual friends. And they loved each other as their own soul. And they had certain appreciation for the faith of the other. David loved Jonathan. Jonathan loved David for that reason. And you remember Jonathan, right? That he goes, Not mad. Was the crown prince? You would say he has dreamt from being king himself, and he just let go, right? He just let go, and he appreciated David, and he gave him his mantle and his sword and his bow, and indicated that he could accept it that David would be king and not not him. He could give it over was a humble man and a God fearing man and he loved them he delighted in David and he had heard from his father that he was going to kill him saw so my father seek to kill thee so therefore David please I pray thee I pray thee Take heed to thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place. Hide thyself. And I will talk to my Father and see what I can do and see if I, he can change. I will commune with him. And what I find out, what I see, I will tell you. So we, we hear Jonathan Talking to David and then talking to his father. It's remarkable that in the arguments he is making, he three times used the word sin. Let not the king sin against his servant against David. Sin is missing the point. Sin is not getting the target. Sin is missing it. Sin is futile. Let not the king sin against his servant David because he has not sinned against thee. He has done nothing wrong to you. King David, King Saul, his son said, Yes not sinned against him and because his works have been very good to thee so he has been beneficial for the country for he that put his, his life in his hand he risked his life where then he approached Goliath with the sling and the stones he risked his life for that so are you going to kill him King Saul, how how can you do that, Jonathan said. He slew the Philistine. He killed him. And the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. And everyone knows it. The whole country was delivered by this David. Thou sawest it, right? You, you, You saw yourself with your own eyes. And you rejoiced in it. You were so happy. And now you're going to kill him? That does not make any sense. Wherefore, then, will thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? There's no reason. King Saul, there's no reason. Well, he had a reason, right? He wanted to kill him because he was afraid of him and he was competing with him And he would take the crown from him. That's what he thought. But Jonathan said that he did not have a reason to do that. So Jonathan had the courage to stick up for David before his father. And we know that also from other Bible stories, that it's not unthinkable that a king kills his own son. She could have done that. And Jonathan must have realized that. He was in a dangerous position. Cal- Saul Sa- 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 could have used javelin and f- f- thrown it at him. You know, Jonathan spoke Why? He loved David. He loved his father as well. He did not want to, st- to stay neutral. He wanted to Say something. You know, in some churches, some families, political parties, they don't say anything on something. They just don't touch the issue of abortion because that will cause them faults or because it makes other people upset or whatever the reasons are. But Jonathan he stood up for what's right, what's the truth. Whatever the consequences were, he had to say something. He had to do it. He said, Saul this is wrong. This is sin. There's no reason for that. Do we love the truth? Do we love the law? Do we love the word of God? Are we honest about that? Also at home and in the family and at work? Or do we just let things slide and turn a blind eye to things? I don't want really to get in trouble. It's not right that they are doing, but I, I just, just looked the other way. Well, Jonathan could not do that. And it's remarkable that Saul hearkened to the devotion of Jonathan. And Saul swear, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all those things, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. So it was solved. King Saul was convinced he did not kill him. He made an oath. He said, as the Lord liveth, I won't kill him. Jonathan, you're right. You're so right. I won't do it. Okay? I won't do it. I promise. So Saul listened. He changed his mind. He agreed with Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan, did talk, sends him to his father. He made a promise. I will never do this again. However, I miss something. in Saul's response. Saul said, I won't do it. Saul said, as the Lord liveth, I won't kill him. I miss something. He wished, I was looking for something else. I was looking for him to say, I've sinned against thee and sinned against God. I was so wrong. I do not only apologize, I confess my sins. He should have had a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He confessed his no no not no, his sins. He um, he tried to, to, to kill David several times and he didn't say anything about it. So David I mean Saul stopped doing certain sort of things for a while. But but why? What was the deepest reason why he star? In this case, it turns out to be a temporal thing. Because we read in God's Word, in verse 7, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And then verse 8, and it was born again, and David went out and fought for the Philistines and slew them with the great slaughter, and they fled from him. And there we go, verse 9. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul, and he sat in his house with a javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand, and Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with, his, with the javelin, but he slipped away. So King saw it, apologized. No, he had said, I won't do it, I won't kill him. Deep down, nothing had changed in his heart. He was still the same was still the same heart. He said he would kill him, but he had that same envy still there, just kind of suppressed hidden, but still there. It never left. So he suppressed the symptoms, but not the cause. The cause was still there. Right? Did we not quote Proverbs 27, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy Saul struggled with envy. He did not repent and not believe because we need to love the Lord and to know him. And we need that made the change. We need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we miss the repentance here. Like David, right? Did I mention David and how David was close to the same sin of soul killing people. He killed Uriah. But I read in Psalm 51 something that is found in David's heart and not in Saul's heart. You want me to go over a few of those verses? What Saul missed? What David had? And then think of yourself. Are you suppressing your sins? You say, no, I don't want to have, be, be in trouble. I don't want to have any problems in my family. So I just let go and I just, you know. Or something like David Wash me, Lord. Wash me thoroughly From my iniquity. Such a heartfelt desire of David to be washed. Wash me throughly. Wash all my sins away, O Lord. Wash me throughly from mine iniquities. Mine iniquities. And cleanse me from my sin. I don't hear that from Saul. For I acknowledge my transgressions. I acknowledge them. I admit them. I confess them. I don't hide them. I don't forget about them. I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Ever before me. He can't forget about it. He cannot just turn the page. It was David. And rightly so, right, he had... Sinned against Bathsheba, he had killed Uriah, there was way more. He was born in sin, right? Born in it. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That was David's desire to be made white and snow to have all his sins removed and blooded out Saul did not care Saul just said I won't do it and a couple of days later or weeks later he is in the same trouble again make me to hear joy and gladness David said Lord I have no joy I have no gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. I don't hear that from Saul. The bones thou hast broken may rejoice. Do you know about that? Are you just trying to live outwardly a good life? Are you pruning the tree? Are you just trying to break off the weeds? The root is still in the ground. Do you deal with the cause of it? The cause of sin. Oh he had no joy. David had no joy anymore. He sap turned to the draw of the summer. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. I can't create a clean heart myself, he said. Renew a right spirit within me. Oh restore. And to me the joy of thy salvation. So David was hoping for salvation. For thy salvation. He could not clean himself. He could not wash himself. He could not create to clean out himself. He could not restore himself. He could not uphold himself. And uphold me with thy free spirit. So I understood his sins. You're not doing it anymore. You just matured, you grew out of it, you are not so immature anymore, you just straightened out when you were younger, there were certain things you did when you were young, and you say, no, it's wrong, I don't do it anymore. But have you repented? Have you received now a new heart? It is only an outward change. With King Saul, it was an outward change. And he said to his son Jonathan, Okay, I make an oath. I swear to the Lord, I won't kill him. Right? Words. Words are so easy. And he even used the name of the Lord. He even suggested to swear in his name. He looked so serious and it was not true. And that is still possible. The people kind of shy away from certain sins and don't do them anymore. But there's still that it's hard. Still it's hard. David's escape, our third fault. So King Saul has his javelin again in his hand, and he throws it for the third time. The third time. He has to die because David was playing the harp again, and Saul had, but has, has been listening to the harp music, Because the spirit and evil spirit of the Lord is upon him. We have talked about that, that the devil also is under God's supervision. But now things are escalating. David flees and he goes home. He has a home, probably not too far away. He is married to Michael, right? They had no children, but they were living in in the same house, and David was going to be killed the next day. Michael, his wife, knew that. Tomorrow, They're going to slay. Tomorrow, the soldiers come in here, the house, and they'll kill you or take you, David. So, there were soldiers around the house, at the doors, so that David could not escape. He was going to die for sure. And David knew that. If he was in danger, and Saul was happy at home, he said, you know, tomorrow, he is not going to escape me. I will kill him tomorrow. No chance that he will escape. But Michael had an idea. The doors were watched, but there was a side of the house, I suppose, with no doors, only windows. And she helped him getting out of the house through one of those windows. I don't know the details, was that high or so with a rope, or I I don't know, but she helped him escape. So he went down. And he fled. And Michael thought, now tomorrow morning, my father's soldiers will come here. And they will ask, and what if I would say he is in bed so that he has more time to escape? Because the more time he has, the better it is to find him. So he did. So he, he, he fled and she um, she thought when, when they are coming and and I say he's sick. Then the, the King Saul say, "I would like to see him." So she put an image in the bed, an effigy, and she put some dark skull, dark dark goat skin, the goat hair on top of the pillow on. As, as a bolster, it asked a bolster is probably as, as, as the head. So it really looked like as if David was in bed. The servants came. She said, he's in bed. He's sick. They may have had a peak. They may have gone, gone to David, to, to constitute Saul again. Anyway, Saul says, take him with bed and all. But then they found out that this was fake. There was an image in the bell. You know the size in the original image? Terrafin. Terrafin was an, an idol. It was an idol, not just an ornamental statue or something. No, it was an, an, an image, an, an idol image. Because Michael was not only unconverted, she was an idolater. She did not know the Lord at all. She did not believe in the Lord at all. She believed in her terrifying. Is that what Saul mentioned later on, that she will be a snare to him? quite something. So David fled. And where did he go? He went to Samuel in Ramah. The Samuel who had anointed him. The man of God. He needed advice. He needed to know what to do now and what to do next. So he went to Rama and he spoke to Samuel. He told him all that Saul had done and how he had escaped. And in those days, he also wrote Psalters. You know, I, I, I'd never seen it before, but have you seen Psalm fifty nine in the preface of that? Have you Psalm 59? We often don't read that. To the chief musician, Al-Tashit, miktam of David, when Saul sent, and they watched the house to kill him. This is what I see in Psalm 59. When Saul sent, and they watched the house to kill him. Psalm 59. You may want to read that psalm today. Psalm 59. Lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sins, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves without a fault. Awake to help me and behold. Just to re- read the psalm for yourself. David is crying to God. He is in deep distress. He had also those feelings of, Lord, have I not been anointed as, as king? Has it never been true? Am I going to survive this? I am just as in, pervert in the mountains. I am just on the go. I'm in, I'm in the wilderness. I'm wandering. I, can't, I have no home anymore. but he yet escaped. And when he's in Ramah, Saul sends messengers there, and he wants them alive. Our fourth one. David went to Ramah together with Samuel. They went to Nayoth trying to hide for King Saul. But you know, King Saul had his spies everywhere. They found out that he was, and that was reported to Saul. So he sent messengers to Rama, to Nayoth, rather, close by. But you know, there was in Nayoth a prophet school, a group of prophets in kind of a community, community of prophets. And think of a retreat or something, or a a monastery. And those prophets, of course, sometimes prophesy. The prophesying means in the Bible different things. Sometimes prophesying is preaching. To foretell. Sometimes it is to predict. To foretell. Sometimes prophecy is something that we are absolutely unfamiliar with. It is that the prophets get into a trance. Are not themselves anymore. Kind of speak in tongues or something. And they prophesy all, all, all together at the same time. It is kind of a way of praising God, maybe, or it's 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 dark for us. It's, it's, it's difficult to understand. But we have seen it a few times more in the Bible, right? So Saul sends the messengers, and they also begin to prophesy. They do the, they, they can't do anything. They're They begin to sing or to prophesy or to chant or to Allowed to get away with all others. So Saul sends another group of messengers and soldiers and they begin to chant and to prophesy in trance as well. Three times in a row. And then Saul says, I go myself. He goes himself to Rama and Naioth. And he meets with that group of prophets prophesying, and he begins to prophesy himself. He begins to just sing and praise God or whatever it was. Kind of strange, right? And I read in verse 23, And he went thither to Nayoth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Nayoth in Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also, his royal clothes, and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked in his underwear all that day and all the night. Therefore they say, Saul also among the prophets. Quite humbling, isn't it? That Saul is laying there on the, on the ground and prophesying. And all, all night, all, day, all night, he could not do it why is that well the Lord wanted more time for David to be prepared for the ministry of king he had to survive David could not be slain and the time was not ripe yet for David to become king so the Lord waited a little longer for David, for David's sake to prepare him for the ministry. No. The Lord has is not hasty. The Lord is not in a hurry. And we see that so often in the Bible, right? With Joseph all those years waiting to be under king in Egypt and Moses, waiting so long before he became the leader of Israel and also David. So the Lord really takes his time He says, wait, I will just do you, you the doll and the, those hands are on the doll just to knead it and to prepare David. But that's not the only thing. The Lord is also patient with Saul. The Lord could have easily killed him, no? The Lord could have said, Saul, you have tried to kill David several times. And now I will take your life. But he got another. What is it? Twelve years or so? that the Lord is just so compassionate and gives Saul more time to repent. He has not repented yet. He has not confessed his sins. I haven't heard, I acknowledge my sins before thee. I, I, have, I haven't heard anything like, Create me a clean heart, O oh God. I haven't heard, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I, I, I see this. King Saul all the day and all the night stripped of his royal clothes. And when he comes to his senses, does he not realize that he needs to change. What a patience of the Almighty God. And so the Lord is still patient, right? The Lord has also spared us. Spared us from, always, from, 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 from death. And the Lord has been waiting. So, time to repent. To leave things in the hands of the Lord, David was laying the the thing in the hands of the Lord, and he was waiting for the Lord that the Lord would interfere. And David fled from Naioth in Ramah, and as we see in the next chapters, next chapter, he uh, said to Jonathan, "What have I done?" What is my iniquity and what is my sin before thy father that is seeking my life? See that David is still in that in, d- doubtful and also struggling. As you see in that Psalm 59, so the Lord has a people that is still struggling. And the Lord takes His time to teach them. And the Lord, in His providence, leads in a certain way, and He He humbles them. Maybe you also understand that you're humbled like Saul, right? Humbled by the Lord. So don't take it lightly. And seek the Lord. David was spared. And he was chased with other cars, right? There's no reason to do that. Although he was a sinner, so no reason to kill him. And of course, you see again the Lord Jesus, right? Also in like some Psalm 59, Psalm 59 also refers to the Lord Jesus that he is also in darkness, and crying out unto the living God, to also find peace in him, that he may say, Thy will be done. We hope to talk about it tonight. But David also had to receive that place. Thy will be done. And therefore, it's a blessing that we have a psalm like that in our, in, our, in our book. Thou therefore, O Lord God, host, the God of Israel, awake to visit all the heathen. Be not merciful to any wickedness, that is Selah. They return at evening, they make a noise like a dog. They go round about the city. Behold, they belch out with their mouth, sores there in their lips, for who say they does here? You know when you read Psalm 59? Made by David in those circumstances. You see something of the struggle of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see something of what happened in Gethsemane. That the Lord Jesus is struggling and praying. And to thee, all my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense, and to God are my mercy. So the Lord continues. Among the seed of David, and David's son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he fought with the Goliath. He fought with the Saul, and his life was not spared. He laid lay down his life. David did not lay down his life. Saul did not take his life. The Lord Jesus laid down his life. And he also took his life again. And is now at the right hand of the Father. Congregation, you have strayed down. Certain things you don't do anymore. You promised. You promised your husband, your wife, your employer. You said, okay, I will never do it anymore. I promise. But if it is a sin, have you repented of it? Have you brought that to the Lord? Have you received forgiveness from him? Have you received that joy of salvation? Because that's, in fact, the only true motivation... Against sin. Not what people think, but what the Lord thinks. To find peace in Him. Escalation. The escalation of the conflict. Saul continued his envy. Jonathan mediated. But we keep in mind also the difference between Saul and David David's escape, God's patience. Amen.